When Jesus died, the land went supernaturally dark. It wasn't an eclipse. Uh, it wasn't a night with no moon. It went unnaturally, supernaturally dark. We read in John 1, at the start of our time, we're seeing the light had come into the world, but now it was out. Jesus died in the darkness. The one who created the world, the one who spoke and said, let there be light, the one who brought light into the darkness, had been beaten, bloodied, battered, and now dies in darkness. Darkness is the the ultimate sign of God's displeasure and judgment. We've seen it before in the Bible, and we've talked about Exodus already, in the penultimate plague in Exodus. That the plagues which themselves showed a kind of uncreation going on, water to blood, light to darkness, order to chaos, life to death. And now again on the cross, we see the one who created all things in the midst of the great uncreation. God is judging his son in the darkness. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God is a completely intimate term, isn't it? We don't say that about anyone. I don't say my Simon or my Lanx. I don't say to my mates from hockey, my Dan or my Nathan. It's an intimate term. I say my wife, my love, my darling. It's intimate. It's devastating what Jesus says. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the longer the love, the deeper the love, the greater the torment of the loss. You see, if someone uh, new to church came up to me on a Sunday and said, uh, nice to meet you, but actually I, I no longer want to see you or be part of this church. It's happened before. Uh, of course, it's really sad in a way. But there's not much lost, is there? Not much intimacy broken. But if my wife, Caroline, was to come to me and say, Johnny, I no longer want to see you. I no longer want to be with you be devastating. Imagine we say if my child did the same, it'd be crushing. The longer the love, the deeper the love, the greater the torment of the loss. On the cross, Jesus was forsaken by the Father for you and for me. Jesus who had been in relationship with the Father and the Spirit for all eternity, the most intimate of relationships was rejected, cut out, divorced, forsaken. On Good Friday, as Jesus dies in the darkness, we need to note that the judgment due to us fell on Jesus. Darkness is disorientating, isn't it? You may have felt a bit disorientated as came into the room today. But much of us don't know real darkness, do we? We live surrounded by too much light. I wonder though, um, you may have been out camping or walking maybe, maybe you've experienced sort of true darkness a little bit. It can be beautiful when you see the stars in the sky, but it can leave you profoundly disorientated. I remember on a, a Duke of Edinburgh trek once when I was younger, we walked up on day one into a heavy fog up a mountain uh, and we came out of the fog on day four. 
Uh, we walked and we walked and even our leaders had no real idea where we were in the thick fog. At night time, it was so disorientating, hearing noises, not knowing where they were coming from, where we even were really. That night, we could hardly see our hand in front of us. And in the day, we could hardly see the maps meant to guide us. Pastor uh, Tim Keller, in his wonderful book on Easter, tells the story of Ernest Shackleton. He was a a great explorer, uh, and he talks about how experiencing darkness for an extended period of time is profoundly disorientating. In 1914, they went to Antarctica, Antarctica to explore and walk across to the South Pole. But their plan was abandoned as their ship, the Endurance, got caught in polar ice and was crushed. And over the next few months, Shackleton and his crew thought to just survive and get home. One of Shackleton's biographers said that of all the difficulties they faced, including starvation, extreme cold, the worst was the darkness. You see, near the South Pole, uh, the sun goes down in mid-May, doesn't come up until late July. No daylight, no sunlight for more than two months. All those who write about polar exploration say there is no desolation like the polar night. Only those who have been there know what it's like to experience life with no light for day after day, for week after week, for month after month. It's driven some men mad. In that darkness, you can't see forwards. There's no direction. You can't even see yourself, they say. You have no idea what you look like. You may as well have no identity. You can't tell who's around you. You don't feel safe. You feel totally isolated. Physical Darkness brings disorientation. But according to the Bible, so does spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness comes when we turn away from God as our true light and make something else the centre of our life. You see, the Bible describes one of the metaphors used for God as being like the sun, the source of all truth, because by him we see everything. The source of all life. Because without him, nothing could live. God, the Son, is the source of all truth and all life. If we orbit around God, we have life and we have truth. We're in the light. But the Bible says, doesn't it? It says we we turn away from the Son. We turn away from God and instead orbit around other things. I don't know what it is for you. It could be your career. It could be a particular relationship. It could be your family could be anything we make other things out as our source of warmth and hope and the result eventually is spiritual darkness you see in in the darkness it's impossible to truly see where you're going if you orbit around your career for example you may feel for a time like you have something to live for but you soon realize it's not big enough for your soul your career does not produce its own light if you orbit around a specific relationship you'll be fragile and insecure in in the darkness you can't see yourself it leads to isolation as you focus entirely on yourself you get isolated you feel self-pity anger pride minor fights in a relationship where you put all your hope in that become major fights little bits of criticism can kill you if your identity is not in jesus a life not in the true light leads to major disorientation, but also disintegration. 
You see, apart from God's intervention, this is our state. We are all in spiritual darkness. We're all orbiting our lives around something else. Ourselves. Totally incapable of changing direction. And heading towards total disintegration. And the Bible says eventually this leads to final judgment. Nothing imperfect. No darkness can remain in God's presence. And we head towards total darkness, the total absence of light, the absence of God. Friends, on Good Friday, we remember Jesus fell into the darkness that we deserve. And most amazingly, he chose to. He he chose the most inhumane death imaginable. Jesus chose to come over 2,000 years ago during a time when the cross was the weapon of execution of choice. He chose to be abandoned out of love. He chose to fall into the darkness we deserve. He died our death, the Bible says, so we can be saved from judgment and instead live in the light and presence of God. On Jesus' arrival into ministry, when he first started speaking about what he was there to do, he said, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The light of the world went into the darkness, so we don't have to. As you read earlier, Jesus said, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. How do we know that though? How do we know that it worked? Well, we're going to speak about the resurrection on Sunday. But note what was read in verse 38, what we've sung about. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain uh, was a huge, thick piece of material. It separated people from the Holy of Holies, the place where God's presence specifically was found in the temple. Only one person was ever allowed into the Holy of Holies, the high priest. He was only allowed into the holy place once a year. He was only then allowed into it on the most holy day, the Day of Atonement. And he was only allowed if he brought a blood sacrifice. An atonement for sin. You see, the curtain in the temple, it was thick, it was heavy. It symbolised very clearly the separation between sinful people and a holy God. But now as Jesus died on the cross, taking our sins, it was torn in two. And did you notice it was torn in two? Mark is specific on the detail here, from top to bottom. He's making it clear for us that God is the one who tore this massive, thick curtain. It was God who has now made it possible for us to be in the, in the presence of God, to be in a relationship with God because of Jesus' death on the cross. There's, there's nothing we can do. We cannot rescue ourselves from darkness. We cannot reconcile ourselves to God. He did it all. And magnificently, as we meditate on the cross this Easter, we see the curtain torn in two. And it means we now, and we take this for granted, I take this for granted, we now have access to God, our Father, the creator of all, at all times. We can be in a relationship with him because of what he's done, not because of anything we've done. We see that as Mark focuses on the centurion. You see, even the centurion could be saved. This would have been a hardened man, a born executioner. He would have killed thousands of men. He would have led companies into battle. He'd seen so much death. So have you ever wondered why he looked on this death? 
He'd seen it before. He'd probably already crucified people that day. Why did he look on this death and say, surely this man was the son of God? He'd obviously seen something different. As Keller says, he says, the beauty of Jesus in his death must have flooded his darkness with light. The beauty of Jesus in his death must have flooded the centurion's darkness with light. Close your eyes with me. Meditate on Jesus on the cross this Good Friday. Fix your eyes on the man hanging on the cross, beaten, battered, bruised, pierced, mocked, scorned. Dying in the dark, abandoned by his father, who he'd been in relationship with for all of eternity. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Forsaken, abandoned, so we don't have to be. Christianity is the only religious faith that says God himself actually suffered, actually cried out in suffering. And why is that good news? It would have seemed pointless, senseless to his followers at the time. But, but soon they would begin to see they've been looking at the greatest act of God's love, power and justice in history. God came into the world and suffered and died on a cross in order to save us. It was the ultimate proof of his love for us. And then now as we live, when you suffer, I know in this room there'll be much suffering. You might be completely in the dark about the reason for your own suffering. It, it may seem senseless. But the cross tells you what the reason isn't for your suffering. In your pain and your suffering, it can't be that God doesn't love you. It can't be that he has no plan for you. It can't be that he has abandoned you. Jesus was abandoned. He paid for our sins so that God the Father would never abandon you. The cross proves that he loves you. Proves he understands what it means to suffer. The centurion heard Jesus' cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it melted his heart. Today, if you see Jesus losing the infinite love of the Father out of his infinite love for you, it will melt your hardness. No matter who you are, it will shatter your darkness. Jesus Christ going in to his darkness, into the darkness we deserve, can destroy our own darkness. In the place of hardness and darkness and death, we can now have tenderness and light and life. The curtain has been torn in two. The barrier has gone. Evil, which is present in this world now, is a temporary thing, a passing thing, a shadow. Now there is light forever because Jesus himself fell into the dark. Let me pray.